Again, thank you for you all that uh, made it out this morning. Uh, those of you uh, watching via Facebook Live, thank you for tuning in. Um, uh, it's an experiment that is um, seemingly working. We've, we've gotten 50-some-odd views and 70-some-odd views in the last couple of weeks on that. So uh, just a, a, another tool. Um, uh, if you're gone, if you're sick, if you've got weather, if you're traveling, but also a tool to be able to give to people who may be skeptical at church, and you're like, you don't even have to come. Just, just get on Facebook around about 10.30, uh, 10.20, and you can check out at least our sermon. And we're doing this as an experiment. It, it, it would cost uh, another 100 and some dollars to get the, the license to be able to do the music and some other... Uh, um, uh, stuff with that manpower and, and stuff, making sure the mix is right and everything. So we're kind of doing the sermon part as an experiment to see if we uh, if it's worth the work to do uh, the music part as well. So um, thank you for to Jack and Jared and Phil for getting all this together and making this happen. But so this morning's uh, uh, psalm, we're going through psalms um, at least for for five weeks of psalms, uh, one psalm a day. Uh, for the five weekdays through our reading plan, and then a psalm on Sunday. Today is, is, is Psalm 13. Uh, I saw uh, th- this church sign, <laughs> this church sign, um, when I was in San Diego a few weeks back. Uh, not this exact one, but uh, this, th- 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 this message on a sign. Let's see if we can pull that up here. I just Googled. Uh, this church sign, uh, if God seems far away, guess who moved? Guess who moved? Uh, I, and I saw this in San Diego, but this church sign is all, 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 even better because they add all welcome uh, to the bottom of that. Uh, all welcome except for those who have moved away from God. Uh, a side note, um, by the way, churches here, the people who are the church is here for those who have moved away from God to come find God again, all right? Uh, and it's the little church with the big heart <laughs> there at the bottom of the sign. <clears throat> this sign is uh, unhelpful. It's not helpful at all. Uh, really, church signs is kind of the first Twitter, really. Um, you know, you have 140 characters to uh, explain a deep theological thought that you really can't explain. And uh, if you do not agree with me, then you're going to hell, right? <laughs> like that's essentially what a church uh, signboard is all about. Uh, and so it's just unhelpful and really hurtful, because, I mean, first of all, if you are one that has moved away from God and you drive by and you see this sign, I mean, this is going to pull you back into church, right? Like automatic. But you may drive by and see this sign and go, you know what? Yes, my life's not perfect, but I read the Bible, I still pray, I still attend service, and it's dry. It's still dry. I don't feel like I've moved away from God, but man, in some ways I feel like God has moved away from me. You're not alone. All throughout the Bible, including Jesus, All throughout history, people have had dry moments with God. We're going to take a look at a psalm where David is wrestling with a dry moment with God. And if you're here this morning, I want this to be an encouragement for you. Because maybe you've heard the message, 
If you feel like God is far away, guess who moved? If you have heard that message and has, have felt that and thought, what is wrong with me? I want you to be encouraged. Perhaps nothing. Perhaps God is trying to lead us into something greater. Psalm 13 is where we're going to be at. The verses will be up on the screen. You can follow along in the Bible app. And I, I encourage you to follow along in the Bible app if you, if, you, if you don't normally follow along in the Bible app because I've, I've put some extra stuff in the Bible app this, this week um, uh, that really is relevant to uh, what David is saying today. So, Psalm 13, verse 1. How long? O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. David is struggling right now. David's struggling. Other Christians have called this the dark night of the soul where you feel like you're doing everything right, but your soul is still dark. Things aren't right. Things are dry. And David, David's prayer teaches us how we wait out the dark night of the soul. First and foremost, we ask. That's where David starts, right? Verse 1 and 2, how long? How long? How long? How long? He asks four times, how long, O Lord? And look, he comes out swinging on God. He's not pulling any punches. How long will you forget me forever, God? You ever ask that? I know, I know, I know. We're in church. We can't be honest that we've actually asked that of God, right? How long will you forget me, God? feels like you've forgotten me. How long, God? How long will you hide your face from me? When, when we talk about God's hand, we're talking about His gifts and His, and, 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 and his blessings. But when we're talking about His face, we're talking about His countenance and His relationship. David is saying, how long will you remove your relationship from me, God? But he gets deeper. How long must I take counsel in my soul? Look, David's saying, God, hey, look, my soul... That's supposed to be your part. That's supposed to be where you are counseling me. That is supposed to be where you are soothing me. But David's saying, I have to soothe myself in my soul, God. Where are you right now? How long do I have to do your job, God? It's kind of intense, ain't it? David walks into God's throne room and he throws down the gloves. He's like, how long, Lord? When is it? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long will that jerk look like he's got it all together when I'm just wallowing in life? How long, Lord? 
ask? How do we wait out the dark night of the soul? How do we wait out the darkness? Ask. Maybe your question is how long? How long, Lord? How long, Lord? Maybe your question is how much? How much pain? How much suffering? How much, Lord? Maybe your question in, in, in light of I, Tanya, coming out lately and Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Maybe your question is, why me? Right? I'm sure it's on YouTube if you need, if you need help. You can go look it up. Why me, Lord? Why me? Maybe in your Christianity background, you have heard, don't ask those questions to God. It is disrespectful to God to ask these questions. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But David, a man after God's own heart, walked straight into the throne room of God and asked these questions and survived to tell about it. You want to survive the dryness, you want to survive the wilderness, you want to survive the dark night of the soul, you want to make it through, ask God. Whatever you want to ask Him. But listen. But listen. The reason why we go through the wilderness, the reason why we go through dark nights of the soul is so that God can teach us and train us how to hear His still, small voice. The Israelites went through the desert, went through the wilderness for 40 years. They had a hard time hearing and following God. They had a hard time hearing His still, small voice. They wanted to go back to Egypt. But what God was doing was training them to hear His still, small voice so that when they found the promised land, when they made it to the promised land, when they got to the life of abundance, they knew how to hear the still, small voice because the times of abundance, that's not the time you train yourself to hear God's still, small voice. The time, the time that, where, where things are good, that's the time we actually get our minds and our ears off of God. It is in the wilderness that we train to hear God's still, small voice. Ask. Ask Him. Ask the questions. Ask the tough questions. Throw the gloves down. Walk into His throne room boldly and ask. He can handle it, but listen. Remember Job, right? Remember Job? Talk about a dark night of the soul, right? Talk about not doing anything wrong. And he had a lot of questions for God. And at the end of Job, what did, what, did, what did God do? He showed up. He literally said, gird yourself, bro. Well, maybe not the bro part. But he literally said, gird yourself. Essentially, put your big boy pants on because we're going to have a go. I mean, be ready. Be ready for whatever God's got for you, but ask and listen. That's how we wait out the dark night of the soul. But what are we listening for? Verse 3, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. 
David literally has death knocking on his door. People are trying to kill him. And David's going, you've got to light up my eyes. You've got to light up my soul. You've got to put a light within me or else I am going to die. And we don't want that because, because lest, my foe, or lest my enemies say I've prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Look, you don't want the enemies to have their heyday, do you, God? David was literally facing death and facing enemies that were trying to kill him. I want to spiritualize this and, and go metaphorical here, but during the dark night of the soul, spiritual death it's a possibility. Saying, ah, forget it, it's not worth it. Giving up on faith is a real, legitimate possibility. And some of you here have felt that. And I have too. 2011 was a, was a serious, year-long, dark night of the soul. Really about 18 months from, from 2010 all the way into 2012. A, a, a serious, dark night of the soul. The, 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 the deepest that I've ever experienced. And late in 2011, it was, it was round, about, round about Chestnut Expressway and Scenic, where Scenic and College and Chestnut Expressway, that weird interchange thing that's going on there, it was somewhere around in there that I was just like, you know what? Praying doesn't work. So why pray? And the next step is what? Why God, right? Why do this God thing? Why hang with it? During the dark night of the soul, giving up on faith is real. Dying a spiritual death is real. God, give me light within my soul. Give me one little flicker that I can come around and at least warm my hands around. Give me some sort of reason to keep going. Some of you have experienced that. It wasn't too long after that that on my knees in my house, God gave me a passage out of Hebrews 5 that showed me we've got to die to find a resurrection. Jesus had to die to find a resurrection and we have to die to find a resurrection. Through that passage, He gave a flicker of light, an ember to come around and at least warm my hands around. Maybe you're sitting there this morning going, I need that same light. To survive, to wait out the dark night of the soul, seek light. We're going to kind of change metaphors from hearing and following to, 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 to seeking and finding and seeing the light. But in darkness, how much of a light do you need for it to have an effect? Not much, right? If we turned out the lights, it would be completely dark in here because we've literally painted the windows black. That is paint on the windows. It would be dark in here. Now all it would take was one of these tea lights for at least some faint shadows to appear, right? just takes a little bit of light in the blackest darkness to have an effect. 
One thing about the dark night of the soul and about this light, it is God who gives light. He is the light. And the light gives life, as we see in John. Sometimes He just gives us an ember. We can't really grow it. We can't really make it happen. And here's the encouraging thing about this here. Is that no work you can do can change anything. Like, how is that encouraging? It's not up to you. It's not up to you. It's not up to you to work to find it. There's nothing wrong with you. Just nestle up to the light that He does give to feel its warmth. So prayer, coming to service, I'm dry. I'm coming. You've given me just a little bit of light. I'm coming to get warmth from your light. Whatever you give me, I'm coming to get warmth from your light. The Bible, God doesn't go, oh yeah, okay, now, now that you've done all this work for me, now, now I'll give you the light. Now I'll give you more. Now I'll do... No. No. God doesn't work like that. He's not a genie in the bottle that we can just rub and get something out of. But what He will give is He will give light because He is the light. And whatever little bit of light He gives, come up close to it to get the warmth. Because that is where we hear His voice. It's where we hear the still, small voice. Seek the light. Because it is the light that He gives to you right now, today, that He wants to use for you to give away tomorrow. Charles Spurgeon, a, a, a famous preacher in the 1800s, by 22, he was leading a 4,000-person um, megachurch in London. Like, what's wrong with me, right? Yeah. But he battled depression all throughout his ministry. Battled it. Couldn't shake it. Here's what he said. This depression, and I think we have a graphic to go along with it. This depression comes over me whenever the Lord is preparing a larger blessing for my ministry. The cloud is black before it breaks and overshadows before it yields its deluge, its flood of mercy. The light He gives you today is what He has given you to be able to give it away tomorrow to see His blessing, to see His kingdom advance, to see what God can do with your life. Will you come up close and get the warmth? Will you seek the light? He wants to use right now for what He has for you tomorrow. 
We don't know the when the darkness will go away. We don't know if it will ever go away. But whatever light He gives right now, come get the warmth of it so that tomorrow you can give it away. There is a thought that when a dark night of the soul, when the dryness, when the wilderness comes, you step out of serving. I've got to focus on me. I've got to focus on my relationship with God. I've got to focus on getting right. I've got to focus on, on, on me. Psychology Today, this is one of the articles I put in here. Helping others can relieve anxiety and depression from Psychology Today. And analyses shows, showed that a greater focus on self-image goals I've got to focus on me. I've got to get right. I've got to get better. I've got to... was linked with more relationship conflict and a worsening of symptoms of depression and anxiety during the six-week study period. In contrast, compassionate goals... I'm going to focus on giving away the light that God gives me... were associated with lower levels of symptoms of depression and anxiety and less relationship conflict. <coughs> The culture, the world will tell you if something's not right, go inward. Find yourself. The Bible tells us lose ourself to find life. Yes, there's ebbs and flows to life. There's ups and downs. There's times when we can serve more because, because there's just something going on inside of us and we can serve more. And there's times we, we cut back and we serve less and there's something going inside of us. But always, 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 always seek to give away whatever God is giving you. Because when we give away what God is giving you, you're coming up close to the light, right? For giving it away, we have to get it. In other words, fill your cup in order to empty it. And whatever you receive in your cup, empty, empty that out into somebody else and place your cup there before God again in order to get it filled back up again. And maybe it's just some trickles right now, but whatever He trickles in there, pour it out into somebody else and then, and then place it back before God and see what He does again. Come before Him. Warm yourself with His light. And lastly, to wait through the darkness but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I was singing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. I said, how do you wait out the darkness? I've said, uh, 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 sing anyway. And that's a piece of this and that's, that, uh, that is overarching. But, but sing anyway because, because during these times uh, of darkness, it is so easy to feel like not coming to service. To feel like not being a part of the community. To feel like I'm just going to stay home in isolation. And it feels like God doesn't love us. Notice the tone change of David from the very beginning to now. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. God's operating system is love. If we are going through a dark night of the soul, if we are going through the wilderness, if we are going through dry time where we are just getting a trickle from God and that's it, He does it during this time because He loves us, because we have got to be able to hear and follow His voice better for the next stage of life that He wants to take us on. And that is His love that does that.
My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Salvation isn't just from sin, although that obviously includes it, but salvation is from everything, including the dark night of the soul. And David is still in his dark night, but still is praising God for his salvation. And then he says that I will sing to the Lord. From Time Magazine, singing changes your brain. When you sing, musical vibrations move through you, altering your physical and emotional landscape. Group singing, for those who have done it, is the most exhilarating and transformative of them all. Three thousand years ago, David saying, "I'll sing anyway." Time Magazine tells you, "Sing anyway." As Christians, we're like, we, are, we, we got, we know. We know. We know. Look, the temptation is to act based on feelings, not on truth. I don't feel like coming to service. And granted, I'm preaching to the choir, uh, right? Because you're here on a snowy day. And look, some of you are watching, and, and it's because of the snow and because of the sickness and etc. But if you're watching and you decide to act on your feelings instead of the truth, act on the truth that God has put inside of us. Singing together about how great He is does something inside our very being that it is coming up and nestling up to the light to be able to get the warmth from His light so that tomorrow we can sing when we're alone. Maybe you're going through a dry time in your life and you need to just change playlists. Right? Get yourself a Spotify premium or music, uh, Apple Music or something. Change playlists up. Get in your car. Sing at the top of your lungs. Because you're acting off of truth, not feelings. Someone very famous this week said, find your own truth. That's not truth. That's not truth. That's not truth. Let's find your own feelings. God's truth says, still sing. Come together and sing. I have created you for that singing to do something within you that come, brings you up, brings you closer to the light. Because why? Why sing? Because he has dealt bountifully, abundantly, gracious with me. And during these times, it's so easy to get navel-gazing and go, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me, there's everything wrong, and etc. Like, look around, right? <laughs> look at your house that God has given you. And look at pictures from a third world country. And don't tell me that God hasn't dealt bountifully with us. Right? From psychology today, 
how gratitude combats depression. Stopping to give seasonal thanks is a wonderful thing, but what's even better is practicing gratitude year-round. In fact, studies show that consistent positive interactions, particularly ones that involve gratitude, increase happiness and decrease levels of depression. God's telling us this morning, 3,000 years ago, people have figured this thing out. I'm not telling you that that will get rid of the dark nights, that that will get rid of the dryness, that that will get rid of the wilderness. What I am telling you is that, that this is how we wait it out. David has given us a formula of waiting this thing out. For when that fire goes from an ember to a roaring flame. And we're like, oh... We can step back. We don't have to get so close to hear His voice. A sign that I showed at the very beginning is not helpful and it's hurtful. Because it leads us to think, I feel like I'm doing everything right. I know I'm not perfect. I feel like I'm doing everything right. But yet, this feeling is still here. of Dryness. God simply wants you to draw close to Him, to listen very, very closely to His light. What did Moses do at the burning bush? Interesting. Light coming from a bush constantly. All right. What did he do? He got close. What period of time was Moses in when he got close to that burning bush, to that little flicker of light? The wilderness, right? The wilderness? His dark night of the soul? He thought it was over. No way God could use him anymore. God gave him a little flicker of light and he came close. God is light, and that light is life for all people. We don't know when He's going to give us a flicker. We don't know when He's going to give us a roaring flame. But whatever it is right here and right now, come close to it and and warm yourself up on His light. put the sermon early and then worshiped after it because um, it kind of lends itself to that, right? <laughs> sing anyway. Because when we sing all together, guess what? God does something within us to draw us close so we can warm ourselves up on His light. If you're somebody that says, right now I'm going through dryness, um, um, I'll be right over here if you want to pray. Grab somebody to pray. If you know somebody that's here that's going through a time of dryness, be bold enough to step over to them and go, hey, look, we're close enough that I know you're going through dryness. Can I pray for you? That's the church. That's the church. That's the church. But utilize this time of worship to come up close to the light that He's given you and warm yourself up on that light. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I pray that You will 
do something in our hearts that You will draw us close to Your light. Some of us here may feel like we're going through a dark night of the soul. Let this be encouragement, Lord, that the light that You have given them, that they will come close and listen. Lord, I just pray that You will wait with us in the darkness. Lead us through the darkness. Let us see You work. Warm us today. In Your name I pray. Amen. Want to stand with us? Feel free to worship as you're led to worship. If it's taking a knee, if it's sitting, if it's standing in awe, if it's raising your hands, if it's coming to pray, if it's praying with somebody else, this is an open time of worship as God is speaking to you. And nestle, nestle up to the, to the light that He gives you this morning.